is The Talking Dead, a podcast dedicated to the AMC TV show, The Walking Dead. Hello, everyone. My name is Chris. And my name is Jason. And this is The Talking Dead number 451, recorded on Thursday, the 3rd of October, 2019. October, October. Yep, it is October now. It really feels like October outside. Today was rainy and miserable and cold, and fall has set upon us. I had to wear pants. Oh. I'm very upset That's that I had to wear pants, other than for work. I mean, I've worn more work pants, but... Pants in my personal life? Are you kidding me? Yeah. Come on. That's the worst, man. Um, welcome to the program, everyone. Thank you for listening. Uh, Jason, you were away for a week. How was your week off? It was good. I went uh, went up north to visit family. It was a, a whirlwind of uh, driving and visiting and staying up late and crying and uh, not getting enough sleep. And having a hell of a lot of fun at uh, various museums and playgrounds. That sounds like a pretty good week to me. Yeah. You know, so that's good. I'm, I'm glad you had some time off. I have not had any time off, but I do have a couple of work trips coming up. So that sort cool. of feels like time off, but it's not Does really. it? Me, it feels like double working when I do that. Yeah, I know you hate a work, you hate work trips, but I, I don't mind one. I've got, I'm going to Austin, Texas in a couple of weeks, and then it looks like I'm going to to uh, Orlando and going to Disney World in November. Wait, so the work is taking you to Disney World or you're going to Disney World because you're going near there? Work is taking me to Disney. So you don't even have to pay to get in? Is that what you're telling me? Technically, it's a it's a conference in one of the Disney hotels, so I don't have access to the park. Oh, I but see. While okay. I'm there... I think I'll probably get myself access to the park, if right. for no other reason than to experience the new Star Wars world they got going on down there. And to and there's probably a monorail of some kind going from the hotel to uh, the park. Maybe I'm not sure. So, I think it's yeah. The, that's that's why I would go. I think Take it's a monorail, the, the Dolphin Resort, or something like that. I forget which one it is now, but I think that's it. Nice. So I've got that coming up, but uh, we also have all kinds of stuff going on around the podcast, too. Not only are we here today, of course, to talk about the season finale of season five for Fear the Walking Dead. I'm but... sorry, you, you mispronounced that. I did? Yeah, it's, it's the end of the season, finally. You pronounced it finale, <laughs> it's finally. Finally. Well, let's, hey man, let's get into that. No spoilers. <laughs> um but of course, The Walking Dead proper starts again on Sunday, so uh -huh. no rest for the podcasters, man. We are finishing up Fear and moving straight into Walking Dead next week. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Full steam ahead. Full freaking steam ahead. That is flank, absolutely Flank correct. speed, as they say. What speed? Flank. Flank speed. That's full out. Oh. I always thought that was called ludicrous speed. No, that's spaceships. You're thinking spaceships. I'm thinking uh, actual you know, water ships. Oh, I see. Okay. Spaceships. Yeah. I generally think spaceships. Yeah, of course you do. Because then you can go plaid. They went to plaid. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right. Well, let's not screw around because we got all kinds of things to talk about here. This is season five, episode 16 of Fear the Walking Dead. End of the line. 
Time for me to get off this ride. Do you guys think maybe uh, a certain actor on this show came into the writer's room before and maybe said, hey guys, uh, you guys fucking suck at writing. This season's going to be the uh, end of the line for me, if you know what I mean. Thank you very much, Eric in Virginia and Lee in St. Catharines for those title reads. And I have no idea what Lee was referring to there. Well, no, but uh, I'm pretty sure that actors have people to have those conversations for you. Oh, yeah. You don't have to walk into the writing room yourself and say, you guys fucking suck at writing. You have yeah. other people do that for you. Yeah. You have you have agents and managers and uh, various lawyer type people to go and uh, negotiate and complain and quit for you. <laughs> Not like us chumps that have to do our own shit. Yeah, that's right. Those people have all the uncomfortable conversations are had by others. Yes, but they, they get paid well. They like do. I'm sure, you know, managers and booking agents and stuff, they all take like uh, hefty percentages, you know, around 10 to 20% mm-hmm. of uh, the gross, like not the net profits, but like the gross, uh, you know, money that's coming in just to do that kind of job. So I'm sure they're paid well for it and they're happy to do it. Yeah, they probably are. So this is the end of the line, the last episode of season five. It had 1.51 million oh. viewers. We're up like what, 200,000? Yeah, up a couple hundred thousand. Uh, I look, a small part of me hoped or or kind of wished that this episode dipped below a million. Because I was that, hoping yeah, it would dip below, dip below like 30 people. Yeah. That would that would be a slap in the uh, slap in the testicles right there. Well, you know what? I think that below a million would just be as bad of a slap because that that feels like a like a barrier. You know what? You know, okay, at, our, our ratings are down, but at least we're still over a million people. Um, but if they go below a million, uh, I, I sort of got to think they'd start getting concerned. But no, they didn't. They went up to one and a half. So, yeah. I, you know, we've not, we haven't said this in a long time, but uh, I don't have a million of anything that I could actually count. Well, like, that, that I could sit count, down yeah. and count. You know, people, uh, you can, people watch people watching. Some is that an estimated number or is that an actual number? Well, that's the From, that's the live broadcast number for Sunday night over normal TV. It doesn't factor estimated. in extra days. It doesn't factor in streaming anything like that. It's the straight up people who watched it with their eyeballs on regular TV. But that's they, they sample right. They don't just they don't count eyeballs on screens. They go, we have so many tracking boxes and so many houses, and they represent so many people each. Therefore, we're coming in at 1.5 million people. I assume so, yeah. Yeah, Yeah. okay. All right, so they're they're not actually counting anything either. So I could estimate how many hairs on the top of my head. Is that a million? Is there a million hairs on my my head, do you think? I don't know. I I, feel like we've had this conversation before, though. Hairs on my head, no. Right? A million something. Like, I'd like to have a million dollars. I'd like to have a million twenties. That'd be nice. That'd be great. A million twenty dollar bills. Yeah. That'd be really nice. But do I have a, that's, this is a question I guess I don't, I don't know the answer to. How many hairs are on my head? I'm not balding. I'm, well, I'm balding a little bit, but I'm not going bald. Neither are you, really. But do I have a million hairs on my head? I, I don't know. Did, do you have a million? Damn it. I got to fucking Google it. <laughs> well, I, yeah, I, I feel like this has come up before. We can look this up. You can find out. And uh, I don't think you do. I don't think people have that many hairs. 100,000. 100,000 scalp hair. Not follicles. even close. Nope. Okay. So there's more people watching this show than I have hair. Let's just say. Yeah, well, hey, 
put us both of us together and there's still more people watching the show than we have hair. That's a lot of people. Fair. I feel like I got a lot of hair. <laughs> <laughs> You're Mr. Lucky over there with his hair. Anyways, listen, this was the season finale, Jason, uh, written yeah. by the showrunners, uh, directed by, I think, Satrazimus, who is a known director, done tons of Walking Dead stuff on both shows. And season finale. So there, I feel like there are certain goals or certain things that the writers and the showrunners want to do with the season finale. One you would think is wrap up storylines, uh, bring the season to a satisfying conclusion while also, um, setting up what might be to come for the next year. Uh, we know there is a season six at this point, so it's not like there's any question there. Um, so they, there is something to set up, maybe through a cliffhanger, maybe through the teasing of new storylines to come, stuff like that. So I'm going to ask you first, what did you think of this as an episode, as a season finale, and did it successfully do any of those things that I just mentioned? Uh, sucked, sucked, yes, but only one. Okay. So <laughs> sorry, was that a little too succinct? Bad. Uh, so sucked. what was your first question? It sucked as an episode. Yeah, I didn't like it as an episode. I thought it was uh kind of ridiculous and uh luckily uh it just it didn't it didn't hit very many of those markers. Uh, and I think that they that leads to me to believe the other two questions uh come out sucked sucked. So the only thing you mentioned that they did do in the episode was set up what's going to happen in the next season. Like they split up all of our uh, cast of characters into different places or at least different vehicles. And they went all, went to wherever the hell they're going. And that's uh, a big unknown and could be construed as, I wonder what's going to happen next year. But uh, for me, it doesn't, you know, it's like, well, I, I will find out, I guess, when it comes back on and I'll probably watch it. <laughs> that's the only real level of excitement I can drum up for that. All right. Fair, fair. Well, personally, I thought it was an okay season finale. Really? Okay, good. We're on opposite uh, ends of the fence? Yeah, we are definitely on opposite ends of the fence. I thought it was, you know, compared to most of the other episodes this season, I thought it was all right. I thought it was a little bit better than most of them. As a season finale, I feel like it did put some things to bed. It put the storylines that we had all season five behind, put them, uh, you know, finished them off. It like te- what? Well, hold on. It teased something. It teased something to come. It put our characters into the beginning stages of a very new scenario. Yeah. And that's kind of where we're going to start off in season six and lead into who knows what. But I feel like the group, you know, we all of season five was about helping everybody, whether they wanted it or not. I don't think that's going to be a thing anymore. I think that is now behind this group, possibly because, you know, not of their own doing, really. They're sort of forced out of it, but it put that story to rest. And, um, and I think because of that, I thought it was actually okay. It did some of the things that you want a season finale to do. Now, I'm not saying it was a great episode. It still had all kinds of problems, but I didn't dislike it as much as I have the last two or three anyways, and most of the episodes this season. So I have a question and a statement. All right. My, my question is, 
there were storylines to wrap up? Uh, okay, come on. You have to admit that th- there was... Yes, I'm not saying the storylines were good. There was very few good storylines in season five. Well, how, what, what, what storylines did they wrap up and how did they do it? Maybe I missed it. No, I, I, I mean, the, the, the idea of, of looking for a place to live, they, they kind of found one and now they have been forced upon another one, right? The idea right. Of, of helping people, they're not going to be able to do that anymore because they're not a coherent group anymore. They've been split up. All of those things that were big parts of season five are going to be impossible for these characters in season six, at least the way it looks now. So, so that, like that stuff is now behind them on the show and we have something new to look forward to moving forward. Right. So some kind of, uh, internment camp of some kind for these people. Well, I guess, uh, um, what Daniel said it best, like the, the best line in this, uh, this episode was Daniel's and he was saying, uh, you, you know, he was, Strand was asking him, is it really so bad? And Daniel's answer was, they're, they're not giving us a choice. That's enough, mm-hmm. right? To rage against it. And that's, that's the only, that's the, the best thing in this episode was that, no, Ginny is not giving them a choice and that is enough to rage against it. It absolutely is. So yes, they're going, they're moving on to new uh, horizons and we're going to figure out what's going on there. Or it might become a moot point. Like this whole thing might turn out to be a terminus situation where they get into this nasty situation where uh, it could blow up and it could be very, very interesting for a very long time. And, uh, and Rick says they're, they don't, you don't know who they're, they don't know who they're messing with or fucking with or whatever the line was. And uh, the next episode, they just get away from there and that's the end of it. Yeah, it could be. I have a feeling that's not going to be the case. I don't know why I feel that way. I don't think like, like the walking dead. One thing you can say about both shows most of the time is that at least for me, they're pretty good at surprising me. As soon as I think it's going to go one direction, especially from, you know, season to season, it ends up doing something I completely hadn't anticipated at all. Right. So you, you can say, yeah, next season, um, you know, maybe they're going to all be separated into different camps, but that's all, that's only going to be a thing for one episode. And before you know it, they'll be back together, but it's probably, and hopefully going to be something that you can't anticipate or don't see coming in any way. So yes, if they stick with the same writers and showrunner and ideas that they have right now, mm-hmm. uh, cause we have a whole, uh, you know, hiatus to get through. And I'm sure they're working on, you know, overarching plot lines, but they don't have scripts at this point. Right. So they can switch gears easily and none of this shit will matter by 10 minutes into the next episode. Yeah. I, maybe not. I don't think they are switching, uh, showrunners for season six, at least not that I know of. I, I know everyone's pretty unhappy with these guys. So if AMC has is influenced at all by fan reaction, maybe they would, but indications are that they're going to stick with them and these guys are going to do season six as well. So that's going to be tough. You know, it's got to be tough, but you know, if these guys do have a longer term storyline that they're trying to tell, it wasn't very good for season five. Um, but at least maybe they're not going to abandon everything that's come in the past 
and they're not going to just kind of veer away from whatever they're leading towards um, after this season. Uh, like, like maybe new show showrunners would do. And, and we've seen happen before. Right. So, but let's okay, go back. So to that, the- that was my question. Here's my statement. Uh, at least there wasn't as much Ginny in this as I was expecting. Okay. That's a, that's fair. Um, but that's one of the things I wanted, wanted to say here. There's, I thought this episode sort of started out on the wrong foot, but it got better as it went along in my opinion. And what I mean by that is like, it starts with Morgan on the radio with Ginny having the same conversation again, basically that we had last week, you know, about them, uh, well, kind of not wanting their help, but, but needing it. Uh, and so that kind of got me off on the wrong foot, but I also was happy that we had minimal, Al video camera stuff, which I think is good. We've had way more than enough of that. We had Al video camera flashbacks. Yeah, that's true. A little bit, but it was minimal. With different with yeah, minimal with different aspect ratio. I don't know if you noticed that. Well, but, uh, the the flashbacks were full letterbox uh, instead of the four by three that we had in the huh. actual uh, footage. Well, why be consistent? You know, who cares? It's a different yeah. camera, I guess. Okay. Then just, you know, that's part of my nitpick picnic of this week. Yeah, sure. Um, in general, this episode, I thought the dialogue wasn't as bad as usual. Uh, still not amazing at times, but a little bit better than we've had recently. Um, and then the other thing, which is weird that I, that, that sort of bothered me about this is that they seemed to get an awful lot done in a single day and you know oh, God, timing yeah. time passing passing and stuff like that has been kind of just out the window for a while but you know they arrive at humbug's gulch and in a single day they lead all those zombies away they have a wedding they paint a pretty intricate mural on the barn all these uh-huh. things happen before virginia shows up and we know it's a day because at the beginning of the episode when morgan is talking to her she says i'll be there by the end of the day yeah <laughs> dwight has a chance to go all all the way back to uh the convoy mm-hmm. get find the horses uh gather them up and then go all the way back and then they lead away the all the zombies yep and then they paint a mural and then they have a wedding yep it's yeah. It's, that was a hell of a day. It's from what I understand, the convoy was about fifteen miles away. That's not a short walk. That's a long no. ass walk. Yet he yeah. could do it. Um. So like the the idea of of how much time they had to do all these things really really bothered me. But overall, in a season that had so many problems, I thought. They did an okay job with this season finale. And like I said, I thought it got better as it went along. And I have to admit, I kind of enjoyed the the ending, sort of the final scene there between Morgan and uh, and Ginny. Seriously? Um, yeah, I, I didn't mind all that stuff. Uh, it made me forget about the end, or sorry, the beginning of this episode a little bit, which I didn't like. So, so I was kind of surprised. I, I thought this was an okay season finale and I didn't dislike it as much as I have many of the other episodes. Okay. Which is, which I, is, which I think is a step in the right direction, at least, you know? Um, so you mentioned Dwight finding the horses. Of course, this was somewhat convenient, of course, but it didn't bother me too much. 
Uh, Already saddled. Like I, I get that the uh, the riders of the horses all died and the horses were just wandering around for an indeterminate amount of time. Uh, but would they still, you know, if horses were wandering around, would their saddles still be on and secure and just as good as if uh, uh, they were freshly put on? Would they be askew a little bit? Would the horses be really skittish and annoyed for having worn their saddles and bridles for a week? Yeah, maybe, but we don't know how long they've been on their own. It could have been three hours, right? Yeah. You know, I'm not a horse, right? No. I'm just I'm just a man who doesn't like to wear pants. And if I have to wear pants for any extended amount of time, I get uh, I get ornery. Yes. Uh, so I imagine horses uh, feel the same way about their saddles. I mean, sure they're comfortable and all that, and uh, you can have you can have a nice rider up there, companion. Uh, mm-hmm. you know, helping you do what you want to do, leading you to water and all that kind of stuff. But, uh, yeah, that would, it would piss me off after a day or so. Yeah, I'm sure it would. Uh, These horses seem fine. They did seem just perfectly fine. But what I liked about the horse scene is, um, well, on, on, as what, as Dwight's on his way there, he, he kind of hallucinates Sherry on the, on the walkie which I thought was, it, was okay. Was it a hallucination? Do we know that for sure? I think we do know for sure. Yeah. He mentions it later on. He said it was probably the heat that, that yeah. he was being affected by. I'm still skeptical. I still think that maybe it was really her. Really? Okay. I don't know why. It's just, I have hope for him. I do too, actually. I would like him to find her again, right? That would be yeah. a, a nice reunion. Um and- but I think I do we're, have a question about that. Though. I think we're meant to believe that it was him hallucinating, though. But what's your question? My question is, when he threw the radio away, how come it landed on the only convenient pile of dirt in the whole country? <laughs> why, why does it matter where it landed? I don't know. Why, why have a pile of dirt that it specifically landed on? Like, I thought that was going to be significant somehow, but it turned out totally not to be. So... It's the only pile of dirt that ever shows up in the in the episode at all, and that's where the walkie-talkie lands. Well, is it a coincidence? If it is a coincidence, how come? Like, why did they put that in there? Why what, is why didn't, why is it in the show? What is the significance of the pile of dirt? I, I don't yeah. know. It's just there. But Daniel, on the internet, wrote and said, "I don't often think about smooth Canadian men." on the internet, but when Mm. Dwight threw his walkie into the dirt and frustration at the start of this week's episode, I thought of you both and your growing frustration at the overuse of the walkie-talkie throughout the series. This moment summed it up perfectly. Yeah. Maybe they put that pile of dirt there in order to catch the walkie-talkie because they didn't want to break it. I don't know why. Yeah. They could have just used a cheap prop that was, you know, they didn't care if they broke it. I don't know. What I was wondering about watching it though is... Did he pick it up again and take it back with him? We didn't see him pick it up, but I, I am hesitant to believe that anybody in this show would just throw away a walkie-talkie willy-nilly. They're so yeah. important to the everything. He, he was carrying a lot of crap. He probably took some of that dirt with him too. Oh, probably yeah. It's like, wow, that's a convenient pile of dirt. I could use some dirt. For I could dirt purposes. Could really and use some dirt. Fill your saddlebags with dirt. Mm-hmm. The whole idea of him finding the horses, though, drove home the point to me that they had other options at Humbug's Gulch, right? They weren't, they, they, it's not like they, there was nothing for them to do there before calling Ginny. You know, they just had to think it through a little bit. Take a minute. I know finding the horses was kind of just luck and happenstance, but it seems like something that if they'd stopped for a minute and thought, you know what, 
what can we do about this? What can we do about all these zombies in here? Um, maybe there are some options we have. Yeah, and I instead, having Dwight go and find the horses, they played it off like it was just kind of a convenient coincidence that, you know, turned in their favor. But I think good, smarter characters, which these are supposed to be, would have probably thought through their problem and came up with some ideas, right? And this yeah. drove it home for me. Sort of. I, I consider myself a, a, a relatively intelligent person, and I had a similar, well, not a similar, but I had a comparable parable of a situation uh, while I was traveling. The other day, it's probably two days ago now, I couldn't find my bank card. I don't know where my bank card is. I pulled it out to go to Tim Hortons because, you know, that's what I do. Go to Tim Hortons, I use my bank card. Yep. And I have it next to my wallet and I grabbed my wallet and I went into the went into my mom's house and we were all there. And the next day I couldn't find my bank card. Where's my bank card? I looked all through my luggage. I looked through my pockets of all the clothes. I, uh, I asked around, did anybody see my bank card that's lying around? I asked Jasper. He didn't know what a bank card was. I said, it's green. He didn't know. He didn't find it. He didn't take it. Uh, I looked everywhere. I couldn't find it. So I called the bank and I canceled it, right? You know, a responsible thing. First thing I did was check to see if it was used nefariously. It wasn't. So I just thought I'd cancel it and then head to the bank and get a new one. And while I'm on the phone saying, uh, I'd like to cancel my bank card and they're asking me questions about, uh, I don't even know what questions they're, they're probably just went, yeah, okay. And clicked a button and that was the end of it. But while I was on the call, I was thinking, you know what? I should look in the car. And I was like, well, forget it. And I went through and I canceled it. 10 minutes later, I go up to the car. It's like, yep, there it is between the seats. Uh huh. So no bank card. I tried calling back, but uh, without your bank card, it's really hard to get a hold of the bank. I don't know if you've noticed that, but uh, the first thing they ask you is to punch in your bank card number. And if you mm. don't have a bank card, uh, they're like, yeah, we don't know how to help you. Can you enter your bank card number? It's like zero, zero, star, 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 star. I'm sorry. We couldn't read your bank card. Mm. Have a nice day. So now you got to wait until they mail you a new one? No, I went to the bank today and I got a new one. Oh, okay, good. And the first thing I did when I got the new one was that I went to Tim Hortons and uh, the card was declined. <laughs> so so what I figured happened was that I was tapping, right? Brand new bank card. I most likely have to put it in and enter my PIN number first. Okay. And then the tap would start working. That's what I'm thinking. Sure. Give it a try. L- luckily I had another card, so I used that, but uh, that's what I'll try tomorrow. Got it. Okay. <laughs> So my, my point is that even though an intelligent, relatively intelligent person, if I do say so myself, not entirely stupid, uh, comes up with a situation where you can think through things through and explore all the options before you jump to a conclusion and just give up. Uh, that happened to me. The first thing I did was I, I you know, looked around and went, nope, no bank card, better cancel it. Uh, when if I just spent another 35 seconds walking out to the car, uh, it would have been a resolved situation. Mm-hmm. So this kind of shit happens, even to yeah, intelligent people. I suppose that is true, but it wasn't the only example in this episode of that happening. Like finding the horses was kind of a coincidence, in my opinion, and it, oh, it's yeah. what's... You think a horse would walk down a road if it had a choice to be free? It would be in the middle of a field eating, like, I guess grass. Do they, they eat grass, right? Yes. Okay. Well, there you go. Um, but, and, you know, it's, it's what got Dwight motivated and sort of into action there. But it's not the only example in this episode of that kind of thing. You know, for example, when they're standing outside the gate at Humbug's Gulch, the idea 
to lead the zombies away comes to Morgan when he looks at a Humbug Gulch sign and sees a cowboy on horseback. And I'm like, Morgan, like really Morgan needed that visual cue to come up with this idea. He's supposed to be a seasoned zombie apocalypse veteran, yeah. you know, and it, it's not that crazy of an idea to come up with, lead the zombies away. And yet he saw a sign. What are you going to do? But it it just makes it, it makes him seem so dumb and, and useless. Like, this should have been the first thing they thought of. And it's the then, first thing I thought of. Yeah, exactly. And then maybe it doesn't work and they have to come up with something else, unexpected, whatever. But it's just like, you know what? Our characters, you know, we need Ginny to come here. We need another uh, conflict with her to get to where we're going story-wise. So we're going to make our supposedly smart, good at surviving characters idiots so that we can force that plot point kind of through, if you know what I mean. I do. And that bothered me. And so I can, I can chalk the horses up to coincidence, but the fact that they needed, that they couldn't come up with this plan, like in a second when they were standing up on that hill at the end of the episode before bothered me because it makes our characters just feel so dumb. And then you start questioning, well, if they're this useless, how can they have survived this long in the apocalypse and so on? Well, there's there's also uh, running to get away from a uh, a, zo- a bunch of zombies and intentionally leading a herd on foot, mm-hmm. right? Which is stupid. I mean, yes, intentionally leading the herd on foot is stupid, but opening the gates and getting the getting the fuck out of there, and then getting in there and closing the gates mm-hmm. that that probably would have been a lot easier on foot than uh, what they made it out to be. Yeah, yeah, probably. But having the horses gives you uh, stamina that you wouldn't normally have. Horses can walk a lot farther than a human being uh, and uh, speed because they can go faster than a human being as well. So, you you know, horses are a great way to do this. Uh, so having the horses make, made it a hell of a lot easier to achieve what they wanted, mm-hmm. which in this case was to lead the herd away in order to use them as a weapon. They never got to because, you know, when does life work out for the best and always go according to plan? It never does. No. So, you know, oh my goodness, we ran into a creek. Oh, the creek washed away all the zombies. <laughs> right. Well, I have some more questions about uh, how, about about that plan in general. So I do think it's a pretty good plan, but I have a question. And that is, how did they know Ginny and her crew we're going to come for the vehicles for the MRAP because that's where they were going to like, um, sick the herd on them. Right. Ambush them. Ambush them. So, and she had already told Morgan at that point, we're going to be at the Gulch by the end of the day. So did they just figure they have to pass by there on their way? Yes. I assume so. Okay. I mean, we have two things going on that we don't uh, we don't have access to in our daily lives. Uh, one is a map of this area. We don't know what the the layout looks like and what is where because they make that uh, uh, you know convoluted at best. Yep. The second thing is we don't have script writers, right? <laughs> right? So if we had script writers, we could dictate what the people we're interested in ambushing are going to do. Uh, you know, because you and I regularly try and ambush people. 
Sure. I yeah. assume. Yeah, I, yeah. I do, and I know you do, so that that's everybody, right? That's everybody just a thing. It's a thing people it's do, just, yeah. It's just a thing, right. So you, and, and rarely does that go according to plan. Mm-hmm. So uh, we don't have the plot uh, laid out beforehand. And yeah. That's the, uh, it's a shitty excuse, but, uh, you know, we don't know the layout, so I assume that uh, everywhere uh, except for this one gully is uh, impassable mountainous terrain that you can't get across without an airplane. Oh, well, I wouldn't be surprised if that is the case, actually. Yeah. Um, so I guess they just figured she has to pass through there. And so that's where they'll, they'll ambush her. Oh, we've all, we've all played, uh, rail shooters, right? Yeah. Where you, you know, you play Halo, the original Halo, uh, it's not an open world sandbox. It's, uh, no, you have to go this way and there are checkpoints where you can't turn around once you get past them. Mm-hmm. So let's just assume that the Walking Dead universe is like that. Right? I, I guess it is. Soft heads, quick healing. And, uh, it's a rail shooter. And a path that you must follow and not, um, uh, leave. <laughs> right. And, and yeah, and checkpoints where you can't go back. Checkpoints where you can't go back. Yeah. Okay. Well, how about this then? Why, for the love of God, take grace on this mission to lead the, the, uh, the zombies away? She is sick. She is weak. She at any given moment could pass out from dehydration. We've seen that recently. Why take her on this dangerous mission that requires her to be alert and, you know, be able to move under her own power and things like that, especially considering when Alicia was given the task to take the rest of the people to safety while they, they did all this. It just seems so unnecessarily dangerous and silly. I don't, I couldn't understand how they didn't think this was a, a terrible idea. Yeah. You're not, you're not uh, considering genital proximity on a horse. <laughs> no, right? actually they, that's <laughs> very true. I'm not. <laughs> so you double up on a horse like that. You're going up and down in, in a horse riding motion, uh, real close to someone you're real interested in. That's a powerful motivator right there. So you're saying Morgan wanted to get her on the horse with him because of their genital proximity. That's correct. That's the only thing I can, I can, uh, I can get on board with. I can, I can understand that. Right. Okay. So you take somebody who you think is dying of, uh, radiation poisoning and you don't think is going to last very much longer and uh, you want to spend as much time with her as possible. Uh, you want to get your genitals as close to hers as you possibly can, <laughs> whatever, whenever you can. And you're like, I, I got a horse. I got a really good idea. I got a horse. <laughs> it goes up and down like sex. Let's get on it and ride around for a while. <sighs> All right. <laughs> Other than that, you could admit it's just ridiculous. Oh, it is absolutely r- r- ridiculous. You, you shouldn't put a sick person on a horse. And she was <laughs> whooping it up, trying to get att- uh, the zombies attentions too. I'm like, if she's really that sick, she's not going to have a lot of energy for whoop, whoop, no. whoop. Like just let her rest in the back of a, I don't even know, under a tree, let her sit under a tree for a while. Wherever it's. And we find out, I don't know, spoiler alert, she's pregnant, right? Yep. Uh, Even if she's pregnant, let her sit under a tree. Don't take her on a horse. Yeah, no, I agree. It's, it just didn't make any sense other than once again, they want her and Morgan to be close and to sort of foster this relationship that they 
have slash don't have. Yeah. Right. So I, I didn't understand it at all. I thought it was just ridiculous. It made no sense to take her along. Um, but yet they did. Um, and then, you know, when they lead the zombies into the river, uh, because they're forced to, they sacrifice the herd, things get out of hand, out of control. I did think that the, the shots of the zombies, well, walking into the river, it looked like one river. And then the shots of all the zombies in the rapids didn't feel like the same river to me. It's like that. Are you telling me that like right close by is all these rocky zomb- or rocky rapids when two seconds later they're walking into not calm water, it's fast moving water, but it didn't seem like rapids. It just, I know it's a that, small nitpick, but it didn't feel like the same river. No, you, that, that, that can happen. Yeah. I can think of, uh, I can think of a river just outside of the Sioux that is exactly like that. I mean, it's not in this, this is a very plains oriented area that they're in. But what I'm thinking of is the Canadian Shield and a river coming down a whole bunch of rapids and waterfalls and then going into a nice calm pool, wide pool Mm -hmm. where the water's just flowing and then down a hell of a lot higher and more distinct uh, rapids and uh, like three-story tall waterfalls. Yeah. Like all within the space of uh, less than 300 meters. Yeah. I I know it is possible, but I just sort of mean it didn't feel like the same filming location, which is stupid, but oh, it, it absolutely was the filming look. It wasn't the same filming location. No, I know it that. looked like a different river. It was a different river. Totally. But I'm, it could happen. It's just not likely. And well, looks can also be deceiving. I watched a YouTube video just the other day about this river in England, which looks just like this stream that is about two feet wide that goes through this, uh, this area. And as it turns out, uh, yeah, the stream is two feet wide, but a little bit farther down, it's like 60 feet wide and is really kind of quickly moving. Yep. So this two foot wide section is about, uh, well, they don't know how deep, but they know it's a couple of hundred meters deep. That's deep. And, and people fall in and they disappear and are never seen again, trying to jump over this two foot wide creek. Oh yes. I've heard about this place. Uh, you, you go in it and you're just gone forever. Yeah, you're, you're gone. That's it. Wow. You sink into a crevice in the earth and never come back. Yeah. So, you know, rivers can be deceiving. Yeah, they can. Don't fuck around with rivers, people. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Be safe. Uh, Chris in the UK wrote a long email in, uh, he basically had his thoughts, put down his thoughts in real time as he was watching the episode. Uh, I do have to say that very few of them were complimentary, but the couple that I, uh, couple that I pulled out here is he writes rule one of the walking dead universe, never be a horse. Okay. Cause we had Feel- another horse get eaten in this episode. Um, well, you know, to be fair, people get eaten too. Plenty of people do as well, but yeah. poor horses. But don't be a horse. If don't. you can, if you can manage it, don't be a horse. Yeah. Yeah. And then, uh, he wrote, that's right. Lead all the decaying dead people into the only freshwater supply we know about. The stunt work looks fun though. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. You know, throw a bunch of zombies into a river and, and ride the waves. It's a fast moving river. It'll be fine. Yeah, I guess so. It's not like it's stagnant water with a dead body in it, right? No, that's true. The, the water will refresh every second as it flows away. So yeah. It's better. It's not perfect, but it's better. Yeah, yeah. Not exactly. Uh, I know I made a note here about about the dialogue in this episode, and 
occasionally it feels like it's from two different versions of the script. Uh-huh. Because I noticed that when Dwight shows up with the horses, he brings them back to the gulch and he says, they're alive, which means there must be water nearby. Uh-huh. Right. The horses need something to drink. But then a few minutes later, when they're leading the zombies into the field by the, uh, by the convoy, he says, there's a river a mile over there. That's why our horses are still alive. <laughs> and I'm like, which is it, Dwight? Do you, do you, do you know there's water nearby or do you not? And I kind of feel like that's two different versions of the script they wrote and then used, you know, pick and chose scenes. It seems like at first he didn't know there was water and now he knows exactly where it is. So they're using the shotgun approach to uh, television production. They're just, uh, they're taking versions of the script and filming everything and then putting together a story in post. That's what it feels like sometimes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I just wanted to point that out, uh, even though I thought most of the writing or the dialogue in this episode was okay, a little bit better than usual, that one sort of jumped out at me as like, you know what, they're not really thinking through this too much because he either knows there's water or he doesn't, but you know, what are you going to do? Yeah. Okay. What did you think about the wedding scene, Jason? I thought it was okay. I mean, yeah. they got married. That's he, nice. That's a that's a uh, a completion of a storyline. And we're talking about while well, we're going to get hitched, I'm going to make an honest woman out of you, which I thought was funny. Yeah. Uh, so uh, they finally got married. I don't yeah. know why Ginny separated them. Like, you know, she, she's not. She can't be a total bitch all the time. Like, it's like her. It's her character. She has to be a complete bitch all the time to everyone. Yes. That's a hard thing to do. That takes a lot of willpower. It's just like, just dial it back just (laughs) slightly. Let married people, let families stay together. Newlyweds, come on. Yeah. Yeah. You know, don't separate, don't put, uh, don't put your children into a, a different camp than you and don't separate married couples when you don't have to. You're just sowing resentment. You're, you're, you're building in the reason to rebel into your society, into the very fabric of your society that you're trying to construct. It's a bad idea, Ginny. That is a really good point, actually. It's a terrible idea. You are, you are making these people resent you to the max, like even more than they already do. Yeah. You're, you're purposefully, uh, making them want to not be a cohesive society. Not to conform, yeah. You're baking in a rebellion. Right. But at the same time, she probably looks at that and says, well, if I keep them together, though, they can conspire against me more easily. So if I separate them, at least they can't do that. Yes, they'll hate me even more, but some people thrive on that. Yeah, well, she's she's doing that to everybody, though. She's doing it to these people. She's doing it to everybody she meets, Mm -hmm. separating them and uh, splitting them all up, which means everybody's resentful, and they're all going to be talking to each other and starting to conspire. Instead of conspiring with people you know, you're going to be conspiring with people you just met and also hate you. Right, right. Well, it it does seem a little crazy to separate people on such a granular level, like separate yeah. them, as you said, by family or something like that. That's one thing, but you don't need to split up, you know, a couple that are just married. Yeah. I don't think. Or or families. You you put them together and they, uh, you know, are the way human beings are, are baked is that uh, we get together in a family unit and we want to secure that family unit. And uh, everything extraneous to that is... Uh, 
uh, is an add-on, right? So you put them, put a family together in one town and their focus is going to be save the people that are close to them and right. not try and get back to the people that are close to them, uh, in, you know, inciting rebellion. Yeah. It's, it's just, it's an awful idea and it just points to, uh, how weak she actually is, uh, instead of, uh, her being, you know, this apparent strong-minded person, uh, a really, uh, good leader, even if it was doing things that, uh, weren't necessarily palatable to everybody would just, would say, yeah, okay, fine. Be together Mm -hmm. and just move on. Like I've got bigger fish to fry than, you know, trying to, uh, nitpick your lives apart in order to uh, annoy you as much as I possibly can. Uh, cause I'm a bitch. Well, maybe this is the kind of thing that will play into season six. I'm sure it is actually, right? If these people actually stay separated for a, a significant amount of time, we're going to see, yeah. we're going to see the group striving to get back together more so than anything else. But, um, she's a horrible leader. Like she's even worse than alpha. In my mind, she's going to be overthrown by, uh, uh, somebody else because she's just, she's awful to everybody for no reason. Yeah. There doesn't seem like there's a lot of rhyme or reason behind most of it. Yeah. And that makes a bad leader. I don't know if that, if you're aware of that, but, uh, you know, being awful to everybody all Mm -hmm. the time is, uh, is a good way not to be a good leader. Yeah. I guess there has to be at least some people that think you are you know, doing right by them. Yeah. And yeah. then, uh, and then cater to, to those people. Yeah, exactly. Or pander to them, whatever you want to do. Whichever. Um, but you know what? The wedding, I didn't hate the wedding either. I thought it was okay, despite not really fitting into one day amongst, along with everything else. But I thought John and June were the perfect amount of kind of awkward in the wedding, uh, ceremony itself. Because there's no way you wouldn't be. I mean, this is the freaking dead are walking around outside and you're stopping to have a wedding, which is, which is nice. It's a, it's a tradition from, you know, the recently collapsed society that everyone was a part of. So that's kind of nice. But at the same time, it would, I think, be a little bit awkward in that situation. And I think John and June, uh, were the perfect amount of awkward in this. They portrayed it really well. Um, I, I also think Dwight giving his rings to them was surprisingly okay. Uh, you know, if, if I'd been told ahead of time, Dwight is standing there and he hands over his wedding rings, his and Sherry's rings to them to use, I'd have been like, oh, that's so dumb. His whole point is to find her and like give that back to her kind of, but for some reason I think it, it worked here and it may be because we know, we've known Dwight as a character for so long from the old show. And then on this show, um, for some reason, I didn't mind it. It seemed kind of nice. It, it did. I, I recognized that it was supposed to, but it still kind of creeped me out because mm-hmm. it, you know, wedding rings are a very intimate thing. It's like, you know, going to somebody else's wedding and, uh, giving them as a wedding gift, uh, your ex-girlfriend's lingerie. Like, I, you know, I don't need this anymore, <laughs> but you can have it. Enjoy. It, just, it seems like kind of a weird, intimate gift. It, it, it does. It, it is weird and intimate, but I don't know. I mean, this, it, this kind of worked. They didn't have rings. Dwight is like, you know what? I'm going to find her 
regardless of whether I have these or not. You guys have yeah. been really nice to me and I'll pass them on. You guys can use them now. So, yeah. And when we get back together, I'll buy her new lingerie. Right. And have these ones. Right. <laughs> uh, I also liked the rabbi's words when he said a couple things at the ceremony. He said that it's a broken world, but each union sees a little piece of everything set right. I appreciated yeah. that. I, I thought that was a nice thing to say. It is nice. Right? I thought it could have been said a little bit better, but well, it seemed know. a little awkward to me. But I think that uh, if I was a writer, I probably could have put it a little bit better. Well, I don't know, man. I, I, but I, again, everything about a wedding in the zombie apocalypse comes off, I think, should as a little bit awkward. So I just, I just, I think the sentiment of it was nice, you know, kind of saying, despite all the insanity that's around us, here's something good that's happened, and it's it's a little step in the right direction for yeah. getting back to what's good. The world is shitty. This is not quite so shitty. Exactly. And that's a nice idea, right? Yes. The, the only part about the whole thing I didn't like was the sunlight streaming through the boards at the end. I'm like, come on, this just feels a little too hokey now. I've been in rooms. I've been in barns just like that. You, you didn't uh, just get wet, get wetted, get get no, married. <laughs> the uh, it was at a um, <clears throat> uh, an orchestra camp. I didn't actually attend the orchestra camp. A friend of mine did, and I went to a concert there. But the concert at this orchestra camp was in a barn that looked just like this. The barn boards were separated by at least an inch a piece, and the light was streaming in and it looked weird and there was a stage and, uh, you know, seats. And we sat down and we listened to a, uh, an orchestra for, from, you know, teenagers essentially. Uh, and it was just like this. I recognized this place, uh, as some place that I have been in the past. It's okay, Jason, you can admit that you went to band camp. No, I didn't. I wish. I wish I would have gone. I, w I would never have actually made it into this orchestra camp. There was, uh, <laughs> these were very good performers. And stuck a flute up your ass. It's okay. No, I would do that. And if I did that, I would admit to it. <laughs> actually, good point. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and if I went to band camp, I would have admitted to it. All no, right. I went to band camp to support a friend of mine that was, uh, she was actually um, a counselor there. So we went to see her students perform. Fair. It was quite nice. Okay. Uh, I have an email here from Amy in Indy, and she writes and says, Alicia and Strand need to die. Their characters aren't developing or evolving, and it's stagnating the plot. Every time they start talking about the mission to help, I don't buy it. And that's not their fault entirely, because this whole plot line in a zombie apocalypse is just so stupid. Our band of merry nitwits can't keep themselves out of peril, so why are they so hell-bent on helping? Uh, but I wanted to read that because of what Amy says about Alicia and Strand. And although I pretty much agree, neither of those two have had much to do lately other than paint trees and things like that. Um, I didn't mind Strand in this episode. Yes, he's flip-flopping all over the place. Um, one minute he's all in on helping. And then the next minute he's like, maybe we should join Virginia after all. Uh, but as it turns out, he goes and uh, takes the starter uh, yeah. for the MRAP to her, kind of um, deep-sixing their plans, but not really because Luciana was with them and they didn't want to hurt her. Uh, but what I appreciated is that he is actually trying, if we believe Strand anyways, he's trying to take them down from the inside. 
He thinks it's a better idea to garner some favor with her, gain her trust, and then take down her group from the inside instead of just rebelling against them outright the whole time. Couldn't, so I didn't, I didn't quite understand this. I'm hoping, uh, I'm hoping you can explain it to me and I'm glad we're talking about it. So Strand bringing back the starter to, or bringing the starter to, uh, to Ginny, which Daniel's purposefully took so that she couldn't have it. And then Daniel lets him go and take it back because he wants to garner favor. Is that really necessary to, to, uh, if I was Ginny or if I was the leader of a group and I came across a vehicle that was very, very nice armored vehicle type thing with automatic weapons and all kinds of bells and whistles that could be useful in a zombie apocalypse and uh, a totalitarian society that I'm building. So this thing is great. I'm looking forward to this thing and it doesn't have a starter. And then somebody who owns this thing comes and shows up and says, I'm giving you a starter for this thing as a token of goodwill. I would call bullshit right there on the spot. You took that just to ingratiate yourself to me 10 seconds later. Uh, I wouldn't believe Strand for a second that that was an actual, uh, you know, goodwill uh, gift. In mm-hmm. order to, uh, and, and I wouldn't let him do anything of note in my new totalitarian society with a tank. Uh, so that's one thing. The second thing, why would Daniel let him go? Like I, Daniel uh, seems to have uh, a skill set that would, uh, he, he's, he's a singer and an interrogator and a barber. Yes. One of those skills would be able to talk Strand out of taking that starter that he went to all this effort to, uh, to take away from, uh, to prevent Ginny from having. And it Maybe. probably is the barber skill. <laughs> Maybe they're good <laughs> communicators. Yes. I, I don't know. I mean, you make a good point that Ginny shouldn't have, has no reason to trust Strand whatsoever. Other than maybe since she's been listening to them for so long, Maybe she knows a little bit about Strand's history and how he has kind of his loyalties have been all over the place at one time or another. Well, he's very self-centered and very, uh, you know, I'm going to do things for my own survival and whether they uh, adhere to uh, the, the survival of us, the group. Yeah, that's what I mean. So maybe she's figured that out about him. So when he brings the starter, she says, oh okay, it's you. I mean, you're out looking for your best interest. You only have your best interest in mind. So maybe you don't agree with Morgan and what everyone else is saying about not wanting to have anything to do with us. So, I mean, if if any character can get away with it, I do think it's Strand. Uh, but I think you make a good point that she really has no strong reason to believe him. But in any case, Strand Strand's motivations here, I think are more Strand-like than we've seen in a long time from this character. He's been, uh, he just hasn't changed. He, like, he's been stripped away down to nothing almost. Him and Daniel, in a way, have, have had that happen to them. But um, I appreciate the fact that Strand is doing something, and it could be something interesting. Yeah, I mean, he's uh, Strand is more Strand here than Strand has been in a long time. Uh, and the reasons for that are... Not clear. Right. Okay. Well, that's fair, but at least he's doing something and I'm, I'm, I'm hoping that it goes somewhere. You know what I mean? But 
Danny also knows Strand, right? He has yeah. made a point of knowing Strand, what Strand's all about and how Strand is out for Strand. Yep. And uh, why would he tell Strand that he has the starter? He I, wouldn't tell Strand that he has the starter. He would just kind of take the starter and have it well, and he, then hide it. Nah, he had to tell him in the moment because, um, uh, because they were, they were watching them come up to the convoy and obviously they were going to try to take vehicles and use them. Right. And he had to tell them, I have the starter. So their plan's not going to go the way they think it is. Right. Okay. It would be weird all if right. he didn't, if he didn't say anything in that moment. Um, ultimately it all got derailed because Lucy was there, but that's unrelated really. Um, anyways, I just think strand having him do something is good. I don't totally agree with, I mean, I do agree with what Amy and Indy said that, that these characters haven't developed or evolved in any way until this moment, at least for strand. He's, he's got a thing again. And I, I hope that continues into season six. Alicia, on the other hand, no, she has just turned into tree paint and Alicia who doesn't seem to know what's going on. Oh no. She has a love interest now. She does. You saw that, right? Oh yeah. That wasn't just me. That's, uh, you know, now they're painting buddies. Yes, they are definitely painting buddies. Uh, she has the love interest. I don't know how I feel about that because I, I don't know. That's a good thing. Your love is grand. Fine, but it can't be the only thing. It can't be what defines her character. There's got to be more to her than just, I am interested in this dude. Oh no. What, what's got to happen is she's got to fall madly in love with him and then have to kill him. That'd be awesome. That'd be fine. That's more. That's okay with that. For whatever reason, like, uh, well, not whatever reason, because it'll end up being stupid if we let the, you know, writers write it. We have to come <laughs> up with our own guys. reason. <laughs> if we let these guys handle it. But if, yeah, if she has <laughs> to kill him in order to save, uh, I'm not even sure who, uh, she would have to kill him in order to allow her to keep painting. Maybe I don't know. he's preventing her from painting, even though they've fallen in love by painting. She fell in love with his painting before she fell in love with him. That's uh, grand, yes. right? And then I she has know. to kill him in order to be able to keep painting with nah, his own too, blood. Too much painting. Ooh, painting with blood. Now you're onto something. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe she turns evil. Maybe Madison is not evil. Maybe uh, Alicia is evil. Well, the apple doesn't you know? fall far from the tree, Jason. Right. So maybe that that's it. Is Alicia's turning evil and she's going to end up painting uh, with his blood after awesome. she falls in love. love All right. Blood. Well, let's hope that is a thing because that would be great. Yeah. That came out. That sounded worse than in my head. A little bit, yeah. Yeah, okay. Okay, so the whole third act of this episode is basically the point. It starts at the point where Ginny and her crew shows up at the gulch and takes everybody away. It separates them in in different vehicles. But it starts with Morgan walking out into the street and his speech to her about taking all of them or none of them. And I enjoyed watching Morgan stand up to her in this way. I know he'd tried to do it before and he tried to do it over the walkies, but for some reason he gets his point across at this time. And I thought Lenny James did a great job in this scene and it was a powerful moment for the character for Morgan. Okay. I'll agree with that. And I'll one up you. Okay. That, uh, the reason he knew that he would get away with that or be able to, uh, that she would respond that Ginny would respond to that reasoning was because of the five horses, uh, in taking when the five riders that were trying to take this town before, 
uh, failed and they all died. Uh-huh. And that uh, Ginny knows that even though uh, the campaign against this town was successful, that it cost her. And so uh, Morgan was up there saying, you know, you can take all of us or you can take none of us, but if you take none of us, it's going to cost you. Right. And uh, that argument uh, worked and he knew it worked because of those horses. Yeah. So I thought that was good. It it was good. And it was a good moment. It was the best moment, I think, between these two characters we've had on the show so far. It was the only moment where Ginny wasn't a complete asshole to everybody all the time. She actually agreed to something that somebody else said. Yeah. Like reluctantly, though. You know, she, she, she came across kind of annoyed by the whole thing, but you're right. She agreed to it. Uh, even though it was kind of like, oh, fine, I'll, I'll take everybody. You know, if, if people are sick, we'll give them medical attention, yada, yada, yada. But that's out of character too, right? Yeah. Like that's the only moment of her entire existence where she agreed to anything that somebody else said. Right. Uh, even on the, uh, even on the radio beforehand, uh, he, Morgan said, I want I want us to all be together. She's like, no, I'll do whatever the hell I want. Uh, because she's just being a hard ass instead of agreeing to it and then doing whatever the hell you want. Mm-hmm. Uh, she actually refused to accept what he was saying. So this is the only time she's ever done that in the history of her character. And it is not like her. Well, maybe she's, a, <laughs> maybe she's growing as a leader a little bit. I don't think so. Cause then five seconds later, she's being a bitch about, uh, you know, this, this doctor guy did a rotation in oncology. Is this what you were thinking, Morgan? Yeah. Like, like, come on, just, <laughs> if you're going to be nice, be a little bit nice. You don't have to be a dick about it. Yeah, that's true. Well, she's a dick about everything. So the last person they take away is Grace, of course. And this gives us the opportunity to get a scene between Morgan and Grace. They reveal to each other that they have strong feelings for one another. Morgan even says the only other person he's felt like this about is his wife, Jenny. Yeah, because they're the only one the ones that went uh, horseback riding together. You know, when you're, you you spend a couple hours on a horse uh, with somebody's butt rubbing up against you, you know, you develop feelings. <laughs> yeah. I'm well, telling you. <laughs> pretty sure he had those feelings before the horse uh, trip, the horse incident. <laughs> yeah. Okay. But it was, it was okay. I liked the fact that they finally brought this out in the open with one another. And he's like, I, I needed you to know that in case I never see you again, pretty much. Um. And then, of course, she drives away in the car. And before I talk about the pregnancy reveal in a second, Morgan steps away from the the porch that he's standing on there and he watches the car drive away. And this was, I think, one of the best Lenny James scenes in both shows. And he's been around a long time because the show goes silent for a short time. The camera focuses right tight in on his face as he's watching this car drive away and you can see like a thousand emotions cross his face in this instant and it he almost even smiles a little bit at the end in a way you know thinking hopefully she's safe hopefully I've done right by these people I think I have you know but it was an um, I thought it was an amazing scene um by Lenny James and it was reminiscent of, you know, uh, Andy Lincoln's eye acting. Yeah, it was Lenny James' eye acting. It was great. It was. It was really good. I think it was- You a- should let Lenny James do things because he's a great actor and he deserves the room 
to be that. Yeah. And he hasn't had a lot of opportunities lately on this show to do that. Um, but here he was. Here he was given this moment. There was no sound. There was nothing distracting us from anything other than what was going on on his face. And he may even be standing there knowing that he's about to die, but he feels like he's done right by all these people. And I thought he did an amazing job. So yeah, in that moment, yes, it was, it was a great moment. Um, then we get the confrontation between him and Ginny because they're the last two people left. Um, real quick, this is at this point basically is when we get the, the, on the radio that Grace is pregnant, right? Yes. Which seems kind of ridiculous. Like, what, is he doing an examination of her in the car as they drive away? (laughs) Well, you know, they had an ultrasound machine. I know, but they've been gone for all of five minutes. You pointed it in a, you know, they finally got a doctor instead of a a nurse going, uh, you know what? I'm going to point this down over here, this, uh, you know, ultrasound and look, a baby. They weren't, they weren't in the ultrasound truck. In fact, I think that was probably left back in the convoy that they abandoned on the road. He's probably a really good doctor, and just uh, when he put his hand on her belly, uh, he vibrated it really, really quickly like the flash and can do uh, ultrasound, uh, you know, uh, stuff. Anyways, I mean, not trying to make a big deal out of it, but it seemed like it was a little quick. You know, it's, they're driving away in a car and, uh, well, suddenly he knows, but well, maybe he knew how to ask the right questions. That's right? true. Are you feeling sick? Uh, you know, let's, let's do a preliminary exam. How are you feeling right now? And she went, oh, pregnant. <laughs> and that was the, you know, the, uh, the world's shortest exam. Uh, and, uh, they found out she was pregnant. Yeah. I just, cause think nobody asked how she was feeling before. No, that's right. I'm just like, how are you? Oh, I'm okay. I've had good days, bad days, but never, how are you feeling? Yeah. And that incites the response of, I feel pregnant. Here's right? the thing though. Did you see that coming? Did you have any notion before that point that she wasn't radiation sick? She was pregnant. No, because they didn't do the standard TV pregnant tropes. If she had thrown up even once. We, everybody would have known she was pregnant. Right. And do you give them, the writers any credit for that at least? A little bit, yeah. Me too. Because <laughs> I, I never even considered the the notion that she was going well, to be I pregnant. Well, I don't know what she's sick with, right? Does she have cancer? Because they're talking about oncology. Uh, does she have radiation sickness? If that, I don't even think that's a thing. But- you know, how, uh, you know, what are the symptoms of what does she have? Uh, she's feeling a little rundown. Uh-huh. She's uh, feeling like she can go horseback riding and whoop a little bit, but then feels a little bit rundown. Maybe, uh, maybe th- that's it. Yeah. They, I, they did I've a good job. I've never been pregnant. I don't know. I know yeah. that the first trimester is incredibly tiring. Sure. I, hey man, I'm sure being. <laughs> hell man, you're building a baby. Growing, takes a lot of work. Growing a baby in there takes a lot of work. Exactly. Yeah. But I just, I have to give them credit for not telegraphing the baby. And I'm sure there are lots of people out there going, I can't believe you guys didn't see that. It was so clear. It was so obvious, but they didn't do the obvious movie and TV show tropes when someone is pregnant. So good on them for that, at least. Yeah. Or uh, we weren't even really sure of her relationship with the other guy at the uh, the plant, right? Yeah. That's a good point. It's not Morgan's baby because they've never had sex. Yes, but they didn't spell out the relationship that the, the, that she had was sexual. That was another thing they hid from us. I think. Until, until this episode, when they admitted until it. Until this but, episode, but you're right. Yeah. They didn't. They didn't really lay that out in front of our faces. No, I don't know. Horseback riding together for a couple hours can make you pregnant, can't it? 
<laughs> Isn't that the way it works? I don't know. <laughs> All I know is uh, I'm not letting my daughters go horseback riding with their friends anymore. <laughs> Good point. Yeah. Good plan. Uh, okay, so we get that pregnancy reveal, and then we basically, the rest of the episode is the confrontation between Ginny and Morgan. Ginny decides she's going to kill Morgan, and they have a brief standoff where she's pointing a gun at him, and he's got his stick, and they end up injuring each other. So I have a feeling you might have some thoughts on this scene uh, related to things we've talked about before, about how, you know, a person doesn't have to be that close to you to uh, attack you with a knife, for example. Yeah. So the, she, he was well within knife range. So there's there are a couple of things. Uh, but she did have the firearm out and pointed at him at the time he started moving. So that's the right thing for if you want to, you know, protect yourself against somebody with a knife and you have a gun, uh, you know, create some distance, first of all, mm -hmm. but also have it out. Because if it's in your if it's in your holster and that person starts to move, that gun might as well be on the moon, right? For all the good it's going to do you, right? So take it out, point it at the person. She, you know she's doing the right thing there. She wants to shoot him. What do you do? You point the weapon at the person you want to shoot, mm -hmm. and then you have a conversation. Mm -hmm. Apparently, yes. You don't just shoot them. Like why not? Why don't you shoot them? Just like, uh, okay, where are you taking me? Boom, done. Right. Right. Like, why well, have a conversation because, you you know, the bad guy has to monologue. Sure, of course. We, we learned that from The Incredibles. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and every other movie ever made. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, and then Morgan goes for her face instead of the gun that's pointed. It's like another three feet closer. <laughs> right. Well, I, yeah, that's a good point. I hadn't thought of that. And he, but he dodges to, okay, so she's facing him, right? He dodges to the left, swings twice. The, 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 the staff twice and hits her on the face, mm -hmm. but she manages to shoot him in the, uh, the left shoulder. And the physics doesn't make any sense to me because if he was dodging to the, to the left, wouldn't he get it in the right shoulder? And if he was whacking away the, the firearm, like he should have been, he it should have missed him entirely. But she, I don't understand the physics of the whole thing. I, I didn't quite understand how he got shot there and not somewhere else. Right. Uh, and why he would go for the face rather than knocking the gun out of her hand. Well, I don't know. Which, I think maybe he was going for the gun and something about it, you know, knocked it off center a little bit and that's how he got shot. And he accidentally went three feet closer than he meant to? In the shoulder. I don't know. I don't know. But I, I just sort of appreciated the idea that, you know, he was able to get a hit in with a staff and she was able to get a shot off with, with the gun, right? It wasn't a totally yep. one-sided thing, which I liked. Um, but Morgan is shot in the, in the shoulder, basically sort of in the chest slash shoulder. Yeah. Uh, that's and a perfect place for a sucking chest wound. It is. So he, that's a pretty bad injury. And then, you know, Ginny grabs another gun off a nearby body and walks up to him point blank, pointing the gun at him. And I got to admit, I was thinking to myself, come on, do it, do it, pull the trigger. I, I was like, come on, fear the walking dead, have some balls in your final episode, do something insane here, kill Morgan, like point blank. And she does pull the trigger to their credit. Yes. Yep. Now it was a prop gun. Is that what it was? 
I'm not sure. It just kind of went fizzle fizzle. It might have might as well have shot out a sign that said "bang." Yeah, I for think, all the good it did. I think it was a gun that you know someone who used to work at the Gulch as a cowboy was using, so it was kind of a prop and it would make a a bang and a fizzle noise, okay. but it wouldn't hurt anyone. So I I um I was surprised by that, but I was also kind of weirdly delighted that they actually had her pull that trigger, thinking it was a real gun. Why wouldn't she go get her gun? I don't know. Like obviously Morgan wasn't going for the gun and didn't knock it away. So it might, it probably was just sitting there on the ground. I don't know. Maybe she only had one bullet. Well, that seems like a bad idea. Yeah, I don't for know. going into a, an unknown situation. And well, she's got some bad planning here already. First of all, she's uh, confronting a known ninja master uh, one-on-one, mm-hmm. which she shouldn't have done. Mm-hmm. Uh, she should have had somebody standing off to uh, to shoot him in the face if uh, he got out, got out of line. So don't take him on one-on-one. Don't get, get within five feet of him, which she did. And then she picks up a, a somebody else's gun that she has no idea that even if it's loaded, like she just picked up this gun that was off. She's assuming A, it's loaded, B, that it's a real gun, C, that it's not going to misfire, uh, D that the barrel is not full of dirt. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You, you don't, when you pick up a weapon that you haven't and you want to use it, you check it over. Like, well, you, any weapon you ever pick up, you assume it's loaded, even if you know it isn't, yep. you go through the checks, right? But if you're, even if you want to use it, you go through the checks and go, instead of going, yep, it's unloaded, you go, yep, it's ready to go. Uh-huh. Right, it, you have to go through the checks. You don't just pick up an unknown weapon and point it at somebody because that's a good way to lose a face. Yeah, true. Yeah. So she's made like seven mistakes here, and then she just leaves him behind. Uh, like yes. After that, she 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 actually says, "I uh, I do hope you die, but that's not the point anymore. I hope you heard me," mm-hmm. and then leaves. Well, does I'll, that make sense to you? No, that quote? N- not really. Uh, no, the quote itself doesn't make a lot of sense to me. Um, but before we get to that final scene, uh, I just also wanted to say that I, I'm I'm glad we didn't get the trope of of Morgan lying there saying "Do it, do it, pull the trigger." That seems like a thing that you see in movies a lot. And then when she does pull the trigger, Ginny seems genuinely surprised with herself that she actually did pull the trigger. So like she puts her hand over her mouth and seems like, Oh my God, what have I just done? I don't know I what thought that... she blew her own face off. I thought it was a misfire and that uh, it blew back on her. Oh God. I'm glad That's that didn't thought. happen. Cause that would have been uh, silly too, but I'm not sure what it means that she was so shocked with herself that she did it. Maybe she's hasn't had to have kill as many people herself as we've been led to believe, but all of these things put together made me actually really kind of appreciate this, uh, this scene with her trying to, uh, trying to kill Morgan. Yeah. There was like seven or eight things that didn't make any sense to me at this point. Yeah. And so, uh, I was, I, I couldn't, ex- I couldn't see that. I couldn't see what you were seeing. Sure. That, uh, she was shocked that she actually pulled the trigger. I, I, I couldn't see that. I was too annoyed with the whole situation. Well, that's the difference between you and me in situations like this, I think. Uh, and that's a good thing. I, I suppose so. All right. I don't see that either, but I guess that's the difference between you and me in situations <laughs> like this. That's right. Uh, let me read a couple of emails here. 
Um, Vlad in Calgary wrote, I don't normally quit shows, but I think I'm officially done with fear. Season five was rough to get through. The last few episodes in this finale were bad. Grace isn't sick from radiation, but pregnant. What the fuck? How? Well, I mean, that's fairly obvious how, but Ginny killing Morgan because she resents his face. And then they end with Morgan bleeding out with walkers surrounding him. If he somehow survives, oh my God, I just don't have time to watch bad writing. And then Cindy in Columbus, Ohio wrote, I don't understand why Ginny shot Morgan. Was it just out of spite? Does she just not like him? I don't get it. It couldn't have been as a show of power. If that were the case, she would have done it in front of an audience. And I think that's an interesting point that she did, in fact, wait until everyone else was gone to attempt to kill him. Yeah, which is the opposite of what Negan would have done, right? Right. Yeah, that's what Negan does is kill one person in order to make a point. Uh, so she's not doing that because she doesn't have an audience. Uh, is she just homicidal? She just, you know, want to kill somebody finally. And I don't know. Uh, this is her Maybe. opportunity to do it. And, uh, you know, gives her the ability to chicken out if, uh, and not lose face, which, uh, exactly is exactly what happened. Yeah. Uh, you know, I shot you by accident because you attacked me. Uh, I hope you die. You probably will die, but I'm going to leave because I'm afraid of killing you. Right. Well, so that's, that's, that's the final shot of this episode. She leaves Morgan alone. He's bleeding pretty badly injured. Um, and, uh, and zombies are approaching and they get pretty close to him before we cut to black. What I liked about that ending is that he, you know, he pulls out a walkie talkie. So, uh, there's that, Uh but he gets on it and he's trying to talk to his people saying things like, if you can hear me, I just want to tell you to live, you know, find something to live for and go full in on it. It's, it's, it's a really simple, basic message, I think. And I appreciated the fact that he was just trying to communicate that to, to them as his last dying words. Again, Lenny James did a great job, um, and this was another another moment I have to give some credit to the writers for. Really? Come I on, it's so. another it's another death, not death, right? Okay, I'm it's, not... it's another in a string of dead, not dead. No, uh, I'm things. I'm talking about the message he was he was sending to his people. That I appreciated and I liked. I'm not a huge fan of the is he dead or is he not cliffhanger. Yeah. Okay. All right. So we'll, let's, we'll separate those things. Yes. I kind of agree. Even though he knows that every one of his people are in a car driving away and doesn't have access to a radio. Ah, I don't, I don't think we need to worry about that. Everyone on this show has a radio on their belt. So somebody's listening. They wouldn't be taken away by people that she definitely wants to separate. Yeah. They would take their guns and their radios and put them in cars. Fine. You may be right, but. The message, man. I appreciated Morgan's final message, apparently. Right. Right. Do you think well, Morgan's he's... not dead, right? You don't think he's dead? Of course not. He's not dead. Dead? You're not dead until they show you dead. <laughs> That's right. And even then, uh, TV and movies are tricky bastards who renege on that kind of thing. True. True. Mindy on the internet wrote in and she said, of course Morgan would die. Not with his staff in his hands, but with a walkie-talkie, yammering away at living, helping, blah, blah, blah. Lenny James says Morgan deserves so much better than he got these past two seasons of Fear. At least he got a little dialogue with Grace. That uh, had some meaning, I guess. Those last minutes 
with a perfect crappy ending to what was to be some of the most crappy asinine TV I've ever watched. So there's that. I, yeah. I'm not quite on board there, but uh, that's it. Uh, it's a shitty way to get get rid of Lenny James if he's dead. If Morgan dies, that's this is a crappy way to get rid of Lenny. He, it could have been so much better. It could have been so much more, but to leave it ambiguous again, I'm sick of this. Yeah, I I get it. I know what you mean. It's the the ambiguity to it sucks, and I think that they are looking at this like a cliffhanger for, oh my god, what's going to happen to Morgan? Is he going to be alive at the beginning of season six? And it's and it's going to make people want to come back and watch to see what happens. And they're probably not wrong when you consider much of the audience, to be honest with you. Uh, but personally, as I said, I wasn't happy with the cliffhanger, but I was okay with sort of the final moments with Morgan as a character there. So if we do actually never see him again, I think I'll be okay with it. Okay. I won't be, <laughs> but I'm one of the few people. I get that. I get that. I think so. Yeah. Well, the few, the proud. Yeah, that's right. I got a, an, a short email from here from uh, Caden in Alberta. Caden wrote, Ginny took away all of Al's cameras. I think she's the true hero of the show. <laughs> <laughs> all so, right. So there's that. I give her that. Yeah. I give her that. There's that for sure. And then I got a few more emails uh, and actually a couple of calls to round things out here. Uh, Mike in Syracuse who uh, says he's formerly not going to watch Fear the Walking Dead anymore. He says, I am watching Fear the Walking Dead because I enjoy your podcast. You are watching Fear the Walking Dead and producing the podcast because your fans are watching Fear the Walking Dead. We are all caught in this vicious cycle of codependence. I am going to end this line of codependency. I'm going to break the loop. We have to do this for each other. So uh, Mike is not watching anymore. And, uh, that's good for Mike, I suppose. Sorry, I, I'm a bit confused. And not listening to the podcast? Is that what's happening? What? No, he, he's watching because he's listening. We're podcasting because people are watching. I mean, I don't so think So he's that's... not going to watch and not listen to the podcast, and that would truly break the loop. I, I hope that's not what he's well, saying. Well, it just, it would remove him from the loop. It would, yes. But, uh... Um, in any case, it sounds like he's not going to watch anymore. Uh, Dan in Columbus, Ohio writes, well, that was the worst season of anything in the walking dead universe. I'm <laughs> shocked in a bad way that an entire season could happen without having any main characters die. The quote unquote, anyone can die. piece is an important part of stories in the walking dead. So Morgan is definitely getting picked up by a helicopter to go to the Rick movies, right? I'm glad that Lenny James and the character of Morgan will be free of Fear the Walking Dead. Unless Fear gets new showrunners, I don't think I can watch this show on a weekly basis. Since it is in the Walking Dead universe, maybe I will just binge it in half-season chunks. If you choose to cover it next year, maybe that is a palatable solution. <laughs> okay. So there you go. Um, do you think Morgan's getting picked up by a helicopter and whisked away? Oh. <sighs> I could see that, this happening, man. Would, I could see this make happening. Me so mad. But couldn't you see like season six, maybe not opening, but at some point in season six, we we come back to this moment of Morgan bleeding out on the in front of the church, and 
all of a sudden, and the zombies are approaching, then all of a sudden there's like gunfire from above. They're all, the, the zombies are all shot dead. A helicopter lands. They grab him, throw him in the back, and he flies away in a helicopter, injured, just like Rick. I will not forgive. I will not forget if that happens. I could see it happening. I can too. And I'm already mad. Okay. I, you know, we'll, we'll have to see what happens. But I'm, just, I'm potentially mad. I'm, uh, I'm both mad and not mad all at the same time. It's the Schrodinger's Jason mad box experiment. You're pre-angry. Yeah. I'm, yeah, I'm pre-potential angry. I'm full <laughs> of potential anger. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Anyways, I think it sounds like a, an oddly plausible situation. So uh, I'm curious at least to find out what happens there. That, that would just piss me off so much. Okay. That's on par, for me, that's on par with a brain transplant to be able to bring a character back. Oh, God. It's not that stupid. It, it really is. Okay. Like, it's the same kind of thing. It's so soap opera. Uh, he's dead. He's not dead. Uh, let's make it, everybody think he's dead. Let's uh, have the showrunners come out and said he's dead. Like, am I missing something? Because it seems like he's totally not dead. Well, I haven't, uh, there has been some, you know, uh, media interviews and stuff like that since this episode aired. I haven't read them yet, so I don't know what they have had to say on the fate of Morgan. But come on, you know they're going to just say crap like... They're cagey, yeah. Like, oh, it sure looks bad for him, doesn't it, you know? (laughs) It sure looks like he's dead. Yeah, that's right. (laughs) Well, then, that just, the level of shitheadery is just so high it's astounding you do this kind of thing it's uh it's annoying so obviously he's not dead they're bringing him they have to bring him back in some capacity Uh, i just don't want it to be on the 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 rick show with the helicopter people listen i i have two more things to say one this cliffhanger this morgan situation is not as bad as a the negan head bashing cliffhanger that was worse than this as in, in, yes. in from a storytelling perspective. Yeah. It's also not as bad as dumpster gate when Glenn was under the dumpster. That also was true. worse than this too. So yes. I can't say that the main show would never do something this terrible because they've done at least two things that are worse than this cliffhanger. So I, I absolutely agree that they've done worse than this and they should know better by now because those things have not worked out well for them. No, that's very, very true. Uh, you're right. Maybe they should know better, but I think I would learn. I, I'm capable of learning. If I get bashed over the head because I do something stupid, I'm going to think twice about doing something stupid the next time. Yeah, totally. I've been married for 10 years. <laughs> I know this lesson. <laughs> I do stupid things all the time. Just ask and my get, wife. And when I get bashed in the head, yeah. I think twice about doing it the next time. Right. All I'm saying is I think maybe... Um, we're, we're reacting to the potential ridiculousness of, of this cliffhanger versus what we've actually seen so far. What we've seen is, uh, not dead. Correct. And there's, in, in, there's nothing inherently wrong with having this question mark looming out there. It's just the way they answer the question. Right. And we have become, you know, we, we think back to things like Negan and things like Glenn under the dumpster and think, uh oh, they're trying to do something clever here. This hasn't worked out well for them before. So I'm going to, 
again, get pre-angry about whatever they're going to do here, where really they haven't, I mean, I was going to say they haven't fucked it up yet. I mean, they fucked up this season. There's no denying that. But if you just took this scene by itself, they haven't done anything terrible here yet. So I, I just don't want to get too outraged by it because I don't think it was the worst ending ever, especially for a season finale. Yeah, I, I hold no fear for Morgan. You're right. He's just plain not dead, you think? That That's correct. Yeah. But I also felt the same same way about Madison. And she's dead. She's plain, She's not dead. <laughs> they didn't show her die. You're not dead until they show you dead. All right, fine. It's like you're not dead until you're warm and dead. <laughs> right, until you're walking around dead? No, uh, until you're warm. If you if you freeze to death, uh, and you pull out a a frozen person uh, out of the out of the water, and they're they're they appear to be dead, mm-hmm. they're not dead. You're not dead until you're warm and dead, because people have warmed up and come back to life. Oh, right. Yes. So yeah, you're not dead until you you've actually seen. Even if you see a grave, that doesn't mean you're dead. That just means there's a grave. What you need to do is show a person dead, uh-huh. and then they're dead. All right. Well, they haven't done that yet, so not dead. Right. Exactly. So Madison's not dead, and neither is Morgan. Yeah. Just like um, uh, Daniel wasn't dead when he, we left him in that burning building. A couple times. Yeah. See? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the show has dead. a terrible track record for not killing people. Exactly. For a show about the dead. They have a terrible track track record for killing people. Yeah. Okay. Uh, call here from Designer Will. Hey, Chris and Jason. Designer Will with feedback for season five finale of Fear the Walking Dead. Well, we made it. We made it through. It was rough, but we sure made it. Now, rather than picking apart everything that I thought was wrong about this episode or, or even throughout the season, I just want to raise the question, what do you guys think happened uh, that caused the show to take such a dive in writing um do you think this is more of a direction thing do you think it's a writing thing do you think this is like a budgetary constraint thing i mean i don't know what do you guys think might be the culprit for the noticeable change in overall quality of this show other than that i just wanted to thank you guys for everything you've done congratulate you on the 10 years of your podcast and for sticking through this. Um, I will have you know, even if I don't love all the episodes of Fear, I I really love listening to you guys talk about the show every single week. So props on that. And here's to hopefully a much better season of the main show. And uh, as far as whether or not I will be watching Fear uh, season six, well, the jury's still out on that. Anyway, thanks for what you guys do and uh, we'll see you guys next time. Fantastic. Thank you so much for that designer, Will. Um, uh, yeah, so I, it's kind of putting you on the spot here, Jason, but um, what do you think it is about this season? I think maybe the answer is kind of obvious, but what do you think it is about this season that's caused it to go off the rails so badly? So the obvious reason is that they've changed the uh, the vending machines in the break room from normal name brand products to off-brand products. And it's really just fucking with their chi. And they <laughs> are unable to focus on uh, quality writing. That's exactly what I, is, I is, meant when I said the obvious answer, yeah. Okay, so other than that, I honestly don't have any idea. Like, there's a myriad of things that could be going, going wrong. Uh, personal conflicts to uh, directions to, to 
you know, budgetary to showrunners dictating storylines to actors not wanting to do things to just a whole bunch of reasons, but I can't think of anything specifically obvious. So I'm interesting, interested in, to hear what you have to say about something obvious. Well, I think it comes down to, it's just a bad, it's poor writing. It's an, it's a bad story. I don't think it's a budget problem. I don't think it is actor problems. Really. We have plenty of good actors on the show and they have shown in, in moments that they've all been, been, pretty capable and, and very solid, but I think they are just ramming a story through and down our throats that is not interesting and not good and repetitive and stuff like that. So, um, you know, I, I know nobody sets out to make a bad TV show. Nobody sits down and is like, you know what, I'm going to make a movie that sucks. It's just not the way human beings work. Sometimes though, things turn out bad. And I also think that sometimes people are afraid to admit something is bad and try to fix it because they've put so much time and effort into the point that they're at in making something, right? So they just kind of go with it and hope that it turns out for the best. Well, I don't know if that's going on here, but it sort of feels like it. And if they ever had an opportunity to try and correct this ship, um, you know, a new season, season six would be the time to do that, I think. But ultimately for me, it's just, it's, it's poor writing and weird, weird, not good storytelling. Yeah. Now I'm starting to think it's apathy because you're right. Uh, nobody sets out to make a bad television show or movie, but people do set out to make movies. Uh, to make money or to make television shows just to make money. And they yeah. don't give a flying fuck about the quality of the actual product. They only care about the bottom line. And if you have something uh, like an actor or a, uh, uh, you own the rights to something that will make money, will bring out people and put those bums in the seats for a ticket price, the quality of the actual product is secondary. Mm -hmm. So I'm wondering if the problem that we're having here is that the people at the top just don't give a shit. Yeah. They, they're like, we're going to give you, you know, $300,000 to make an episode. I don't know how much TV costs, but we're going to give you $300,000 to make uh, an episode. And if you get 1 million people watching it, we can make uh, you know, $50 million off of that episode. So I don't care. I don't care what you put on that episode. As long as you get it done and I can sell it, then that's good enough for me. I guess so. But that's, that's more of an executive perspective. Like the actual creative people involved. I don't know. Maybe it's cynical of me to think that, you know, nobody who's sort of an in, in engaged in a creative endeavor would ever do anything just for money. That's probably not true, but they ha yeah. they at least have to know that what they're putting out there is subpar and that that's got to feel bad. That's got to weigh on you and it's not going to make you want to continue working on that or doing that thing because you're not. Maybe, maybe not. I mean, we've all, you and I have both been involved in projects where we know that uh, the quality of the project is not that great, uh, but we'll be damned if we don't do it anyway. I know, but you feel bad about it. And then, you know, yeah, in our, in but, our business, but, you move on to the next project, right? 
Yeah, well, that's what that's what's going on here. Is that you know maybe maybe they do recognize that it's not the best quality, but uh, you know, goddamn it, they better do it because they're getting a paycheck, and the people at the top who's setting the tone for this whole endeavor uh, just don't give a shit. So if they don't give a shit, why should I give a shit? As long as I get a paycheck, I don't give a shit. Let's just put this thing in the can so they can sell it. And they they go, hey, good job. You got that piece of shit in the can. And I sold it for 10 times that I gave you a uh, budget to make. Uh, good work. So we're all doing fine. <laughs> we're all, it's all fine. It's all good. Oh, yeah. Okay. And then well. it's like, oh, the internet's upset at me. <laughs> yeah. Oh, no. <laughs> they, keep, they keep giving me, let me wipe my tears with my $100 bills. <laughs> <laughs> well, I... Go to bed on my giant pile of money. That's right. Yeah. All right. I'm going to play another call here from Eric in Virginia. Hey, Chris and Jason. Eric from Virginia here. Last time I called, I was ecstatic over the episode six, uh, the end of everything, and filled with foolish and boundless optimism for the rest of season five. And uh, I've failed to call in since then because each subsequent episode has left me less than enthusiastic and it felt like a bit of a stretch to call in and try and be excited about the show. So I was relieved to hear you guys last week, uh, openly lament the quality of the show and, uh, go so far as expressing, uh, some wishes that it might be canceled. Um, I I don't know if I similarly wished it to be canceled, but I definitely don't have much hope left for the show. But, um, I, you know, I do still have a lot of strong feelings about these characters, uh, despite mostly bad storytelling. Um, I really care what happens to them. Uh, I just I just wish the writing on the show was better. Um, you know, there's a lot of high caliber talent uh, working, you know, on screen and, um, you know, behind the scenes. Um, you, there's so many good ingredients available uh, to these showrunners. Uh, good characters, great actors, an absolutely amazing practical effects team. You know, the zombies always look great set designers, cinematographers, etc. cetera. Uh, these showrunners just don't know how to make use of uh, the great tools that they have around them. And uh, I'd like to extend a big hand of thanks to everybody who works on the show, you know, uh, week after week. Um, also, I don't think it's just a, an age thing. I know you guys mentioned last week, that it might just be that millennials are the showrunners and this show just isn't for you guys. Uh, I'm a millennial and I have strong doubts as to whether or not I'll be back for season six. Uh, my girlfriend, also millennial, quit at the end of season four, declaring it torture to watch another episode. So it definitely is not you guys. Um, all that said, uh, I'm so grateful uh, to you guys for the podcast. Uh, it made this season, uh, so much more enjoyable to listen to you guys, uh, talk about it and hear from other listeners. Um, super excited for the return of the main show and I can't wait to hear you guys talk about it. See ya. Thanks. Okay. Thank you very much, Eric. And the main thing I wanted to take away from his call is kind of related to what we were just talking about in that there's a lot of people involved in creating this show. And, you know, as I was saying and you were saying nobody, most people don't set out to make make a bad show. And even if some people are just doing it for the paycheck, for the money or whatever, there's a million people involved beyond just the writers, the cinematographers, the costume people, the makeup people, the special effects people. It's still Nicotero or at least his company and team doing this stuff. And they all, despite the fact that, you know, a lot of people 
weren't really happy with this season, they're all doing some pretty good work in a lot of ways. So we do, we should say that, you know, it's not you guys. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's excellent work. And, uh, you know, I think I think everyone would agree that you generally appreciate that kind of stuff, right? The the effort and the time they oh, put yeah. into it, right? Yeah, I'm blaming the the people at the top, sure, for the apathetic, uh, you know, vibe that they're they're sending out. It's like if they don't care, why should anybody else care? But they're still doing, uh, they're working hard, right? Yeah, they're working hard to put out this stuff, and yeah, I bet you they feel bad. Right. <laughs> they probably Maybe do. they don't. Maybe they don't. Maybe they don't care. Maybe they go home at the end of the day and they're like, well, whatever, I'm going to leave work at work. Uh, sure, it's a piece of shit, but, uh, you know, I enjoy the people I work with, so I'm content. Don't bring your home, don't bring your work home with you. Yeah, yeah <laughs> don't bring your home to work with you. No, also bad. <laughs> uh, all right. One last. Let's just bring your daughter to work day. Yeah, which that might start next week because there's the threat of a uh, widespread school strike here where we live. So, uh, no, no kids going to school on Monday. Sorry, dude, where you live. Uh, you too, <laughs> I think. Nope. The, uh, school that, uh, Jasper's in daycare in is in the Durham region Catholic school board and not the Toronto district school board. So, uh, yeah, no job action for me, my friend. Hmm. All right. Well, that's good for you. It is good for me. It's well, horrible for you. Well, my kids are also old enough to stay home alone now, at least for short periods. So it's not the worst. Nice. Here's the keys to the Xbox. Right, pretty much. I'll get I'll get plenty of notifications. <laughs> Can I have more time on Minecraft? <laughs> Anyways, um, one short last email here from our friend Matt in Lindenwald, New Jersey. He says, "Maple Leafs, congrats on the Leafs' first win." That's just the way he starts the email. Not relevant to anything here. On to sadder news, this show stinks. As long as you guys watch it, I will, but if you stop, then I'm out. All right, I'm done for a bunch of months. Like, I'm, I'm not going to watch any more episodes of this show for a while. That's Taking a, a break. That's a good call. Take a break, Jason. You don't have to watch any more episodes of Fear the Walking Dead. Uh, now, um, but probably someday in the future. Yeah. But at least it's the end of the season, finally. That being said, we are not going to podcast regularly about season six. We are right. we are going to talk about it occasionally, but we're not going to do a, a show about every individual episode. Because frankly, I can't take it anymore. <laughs> <laughs> it's, yeah. I, I love podcasting. I will do it about the main show until it's over. Um, but fear has been bad for two years and it's not, you know, it, it's funny. I, I, I can't say it's not an enjoyable experience, but I don't want to sit here and shit on a show constantly. Right. Yeah. And so we will, I will watch it and I'm going to make you watch it and we will talk <laughs> about it at times, I don't know exactly what it's going to be. If it's going to be watch a whole half season and then do a show about it and sort of give some half season thoughts, or if we break it up some other way, but that's what we, but we will figure that out. And, um, when fear comes back for season six, we're going to approach it like that. That being said, we might also approach the new show like that too. Again, I don't know for sure what the plan is there, but I think Jason, we might be able to 
cover both of those in a way that doesn't mean we have to record an episode about each and every episode and, you know, end up just doing nothing with our free time, but talking about Walking Dead on the internet. Right. Is haiku reviews a thing? We could just do a, every week we could just do a, uh, you and I each could write a haiku about the episode and that's it. We'll just read the haikus, uh, haiku reviews and then uh, move on. That's probably a thing already. And that sounds like something we could do on Twitter rather than a whole podcast. (laughs) Yeah. I don't know about writing a haiku either. I'm not much of a haiku guy. Anyways, I, I kind of have been working up to, uh, saying that live because, you know, I don't want to, I feel bad. I have this weird guilt about not recording an episode about it every, every episode. We've done it for five years now. Obviously we've done nine on the main show. Um, but we're going to, we're going to scale it back. We're going to dial it back a little bit on the fear of the walking dead coverage, probably add in a little bit of new show coverage. And I think that balance might be good for everybody. So we'll, we'll, we'll see how, how, how that goes. And, you know, I, I put Matt's email here right at the end, just because he said, as long as you guys watch it, I will. But if you stop, then I'm out. And I'm like, oh, now I feel like I'm, I'm influencing other people's decisions when I shouldn't have that kind of power over people. Yeah. Don't, don't, don't put that on us, man. If you don't (laughs) want to watch the show, don't watch the show. (laughs) Right. Uh, yeah, that's, that's exactly it. So. All right. Anyway. So, uh, reviews in haiku, haiku.com is a thing. Of course it is. Of course it is. Uh, all right. Um, before we end here, I would like to thank the people that have become supporters in one of two ways of this podcast here. Uh, recently this week, Gala T became a new patron on Patreon. So thank you very much, Gala. I hope I'm getting your name correct there. Um, if you would like to join us on Patreon, you can do so at patreon.com slash the talking dead, where you, you can make a small monthly pledge, which, uh, all goes into helping out putting on this show. If that's not your thing, you can make a one-time donation by going to talkingdeadpodcast.com slash PayPal and, uh, simply making a, a small donation to the show. And, uh, we really greatly appreciate everyone who does so. All right, so next week we will be back, not with Fear the Walking Dead, but of course with The Walking Dead, the main show. It returns for the season 10, you know, on Sunday night, and I am super excited about it. The episode is called Lines We Cross, and uh, we want to get some title reads. So absolutely everyone, do a title read. Maybe not everyone, that'd be too many. Couldn't play all those, but if you feel like it, if you're up to it, Lines We Cross is the title, and we would love to play a few when we talk about that episode next week. So I'm pumped for The Walking Dead to return, Jason. Me I don't too. know. I don't know about you. I am super pumped. I'm I'm a little overwhelmed, frankly. All right. I, I think I need uh, some kind of palate cleanser. Some, well, just, there's I, no time. The AMC doesn't give us. I know this, so I'm I'm super pumped, but I'm also a little concerned because uh, I'm gonna have to I'm gonna have to binge watch something else. I mean, binge some romantic comedy or something between now and Sunday, and and uh, to just reset your your brain and get ready for Walking Dead season ten. 
I just I just binged watch the the latest season of, on Netflix of uh, the Good Place. That was fun. Okay, that's a good. I one. recommend that. So I might uh, I might try and delve into the comedy round uh, realm. Do that. That's a good idea. And then you'll be all ready to go to watch Walking Dead on Sunday or Monday. Oh my God, it's Thursday already. I How know. am I supposed to do that in two days? Well, you can find <sighs> time. You can I'll do it. I'll just sleep. I'm just going to go to bed, wake up on Sunday night. <laughs> That'll be a good brain reset. Sleep for three <laughs> days. <laughs> yeah. Uh, all right. So we will be podcasting next, I guess, back to the Walking Dead schedule, which is Tuesday and Thursday nights. Um, that is going to be awesome. It means that we want to get even more of your feedback than usual. Um, but you've, you know, got between Sunday and, and Thursday to get feedback in because our recap show will be Tuesday night. Uh, I also, starting in November, am going to be contributing to another podcast, like I have any extra free time. But uh, the three, if you if you are a fan of the Evil Dead, or sorry, Evil Dead, the oh, Ash versus Evil Dead, the show, there you and go. the Evil Dead cast that myself and Jason and Rich did, the three of us are going to team up again to cover The Mandalorian the new uh, Star cool. Wars Star Wars show on uh, Disney Plus starting in November. So I was hesitant to do that because I didn't know if I wanted to add a third podcast to my week. Uh, but Jason Cabassi convinced me that The Walking Dead only overlaps with The Mandalorian for three weeks. So I could probably make that happen. I'm like, oh, fine, I'll do it. It'll be awesome. It'll be a tough three weeks. It's going to be a tough three weeks, yeah. So I volunteered you to fill in for me once in a while. Uh, really? <laughs> no. On what? As what? <laughs> as as the third host on the Mandalorian cast or whatever it's going to be called. Well, I'm not getting uh, Disney whatever. <laughs> it's only five bucks a month. It's cheap. But still, I just, I'm morally against having to pay for all these different services just to watch TV. Fair. It's a fair point. Yeah. Anyways, that's coming in November. So uh, I think... He announced it, Jason, I mean, announced it officially on Facebook, so I feel okay talking about it here. Um, but if you just can't get enough of me, which seems crazy, um, you can listen to me talk about The Mandalorian. And let's hope that show is good, because I that would be awesome to have a really awesome Star Wars bounty hunter TV show. Yeah, I hope they don't fuck it up. Me too, but we'll find out. Okay, so that's everything that's going on. We'll see you next week for uh, The Walking Dead Season 10, Episode 1. Very exciting. It's called Lines We Cross. That'll be coming out next Tuesday night. And uh, in the meantime, if you'd like to get in touch, you can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash thetalkingdead. You can visit the website and click on Send Voicemail at the top to send us a message and, of course, you can send email to TalkingDeadPodcast at gmail.com. All right, that is enough of that for now. Until next time, everyone, my name is Chris. My name is Jason. Thanks for listening. Ciao, ciao.